Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We're very thrilled today to have Brother and Sister Aaron Wright with us, full-time evangelist from the great state of Pennsylvania. And uh, we're excited about what the Lord is doing through them and giving, giving their lives and not only to Him to serve Him, but also to propagate the gospel of the Lord. Amen. Having addicted themselves to the gospel, they are preaching this gospel to those uh, who need to hear it and those who are in need of being encouraged by that, and we fall into that category today. And so I want you to welcome Brother and Sister Wright, if you will, today with from, a heart, from your heart. Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing today on this fine Sunday? You know, I made a habit, tried to make a habit, and I'm trying my very best to do it, that every morning when I wake up, uh, one of the first things I say is, today is going to be a good day. I believe it. Today is going to be a good day. And I have tried my best that no matter how I really feel, my back sore from the camper mattress that feels like a piece of plywood, or me being stiff from playing with the children, you know, and, and exerting myself a little more than I normally do. And it doesn't matter what's going on. Today is a good day. Come on, the last time I checked, he's still on the throne. He's still God. We're still breathing. We're still filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Today is a good day. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, today is a good day. Amen. Amen. Pastor, thank you so much for allowing my family and I to be with you, especially on the notice of Bishop. I understand the, the thoughts that probably come with that and uh, never meeting me, I guess is what I'm saying. So his generosity and kindness in that regards. Appreciate that, Pastor. And uh, as I'm talking, why don't you turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 15, and we'll begin with verse 22. But I was up in Havana, Florida, preaching. And Pastor Rednauer went on and on about this location and uh, this church and just spoke very highly of Pastor. And uh, he said, you're not going to believe this, but you're going to be driving and you're going to think, where is the GPS taking me? <laughs> and that's exactly what we thought. And if we didn't know beforehand, I would have probably thrown the GPS out the window and called Pastor and said, hey, this thing's malfunctioning. But once I got here... I'm a country boy at heart, and I was raised in the country. Our town had 11 houses, a church, and a bar. And so we had the mountain scenery and the creeks, and we grew up swimming in the creeks. We'd wake up swimming in the creeks and catching fish and getting muddy and dirty. And so I'm a country boy at heart, and I, I cannot get over. I told Pastor again, I cannot get over this setting. I just, and, and not just the setting. You would think 
our thinking would be, okay, you're out in the middle of nowhere. You might have 15 people that you're going to preach to, and I'm fine with that. But then when we got out, my daughter is like, why is there all the cars out here? <laughs> We're like, I'm pretty sure that's because it's church day. And so it's just, it's absolutely incredible. And of course, it's old hat to you, but uh, let me just tell you from coming out, you know, or coming in from out, outside, this is a wonderful setting, wonderful spirit of worship I feel today. And uh, I can just tell by looking across that this is a very well uh, established and a well founded work. And so we give Pastor honor for his work here, I believe, for 27 years. And I believe that's what it is. So we thank you, Pastor. <coughs> And then thank you to the men that uh, made made the stake last night, and we had a great time at Men's Fellowship, and uh, meeting the men, and thank you, Brother Daryl, for cooking that steak, and uh, I'm still still loving it, <laughs> and uh, we appreciate that fellowship. By the way, that stray dog out there is stray. It's not our dog, so feel free to shoo it. You're not going to hurt our feelings. We were walking, the family and I, and it came out of one of the fifth wheels, and I... I was be honest, turn around to defend the family, to give it the boot if I had to. And I just could sense that it was a mild manner, so I called it over, and now it followed us back and won't leave. So <laughs> I woke up this morning, and it's laying out there at the, the, the little patio, little, I don't know, patio is not the right word, a little carpet thing we put out there, and it's still there. I'm like, well, I better get you food and water. <laughs> so... Feel free to shoot it away. It's a kind, kind dog. But I want to turn your attention, if you don't mind, to the word of the Lord, to the ministering of the word. And uh, we're going to see what the Lord's going to speak to our hearts today. Are you ready for that? Amen. Matthew chapter 15, beginning with verse 22. It reads like this. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away for now, or for she crieth after us. Now she was turning to them to get their attention. But he answered and said this to his disciples, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not me to take the children's bread. Everybody say the children's bread. And cast it to the dogs. It's not meat to take the children's portions and feed the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, watch this. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very es- or very hour. And so in essence, this lady understood that Jesus was unable to take the children's bread and give it to her. But there was something inside this lady that also understood that with Jesus, she didn't need the children's bread, but just one crumb that would flake off that bread would be sufficient to heal and to treat her daughter supernaturally and so it was that day a crumb literally fell from the master's table and a lady that needed a supernatural touch of God that only God could do received everything that she needed with just one crumb and 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 we know that it will preach that all it takes with Jesus is just one crumb 
You could be here today and need peace of mind from anxiety, stresses, and fears. And with one touch from Jesus, you could walk out fully receiving what you need. You could be here sick in your body. And with one crumb that would just fall from the master's table, you could touch that crumb or touch Jesus as it would. And you could receive everything you need with just one crumb. But somebody here, Brother Aaron, this morning, we are not dogs. We are his children. The dogs get the crumbs, but the children are entitled to the entire loaf of bread that sits on the table. Amen. And so if this lady understood that with just one crumb, I could receive what I need, how much more power, how much more is locked up in an entire loaf of bread? Listen, Brother Aaron doesn't want to be mean-spirited. Please don't perceive it at that, me as that when I ask this. But when's the last time you've come in empty and you left full? When's the last time you've come to God with needs and you've been burdened down and weighted down with the cares of this life or things that are legit in your life uh, and you walked in the church and you just laid them down and you took upon your his yoke upon you and you walked out knowing that everything was going to be okay? When's the last time that you just found yourself in the presence of the Lord with tears rolling down your face uh, because you knew you were standing in the presence of Jesus and that everything was going to be okay? Amen. And so when I read this scripture, I hear the Lord asking me, Aaron, are you living above the table or are you living beneath the table? Are you living above the table this morning or are you living beneath the table? And that's what I want to preach to you this morning. If you want the Lord to move, I ask you to set your Bibles down. I want everybody to lift your hands and just invite the Lord. Just say, Lord, whatever it is you want to speak to me, speak. God, I yield myself to you. I'm asking you to move, God. Lord, this fine Sunday morning, God, where your people are gathered together. God, these are your people and the sheep of your pasture. Today, God, I'm asking you to bless as only you know how to bless. And the strength in God is only you know how to strengthen. Lord, we just come together and as one body, as one man, we're asking, God, that you would walk in amongst us, Lord, and that you would let us, Lord, receive the ministering of your word, that you can touch our lives, Lord. I pray, God, today for that anointing, Lord, cause me to speak above my own abilities today to bless your people, I pray. Amen, amen. Amen. Where's my uh, number one preacher at? Daryl, where's that guy at? There's Gage. Okay, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Gage because they say he's going to preach me good. Amen. But if you're going to preach me, you may be seated as well. Thank you for standing, and it's so good to be with you. If I could set the tone of this message and begin to talk to you, I would lay a few thoughts on the on the table for you and I would say this that it is so important that we have the right thinking about who we are in the eyes of Jesus and the right thinking about this God thing the latest craze in Pennsylvania or latest craze that has absolutely rocked Pennsylvania and the northeastern states has been this discovery of natural gas that is found underneath the Marcellus shell this discovery of natural gas has brought approximately 100,000 jobs to Pennsylvania, and it's estimated to last anywhere for the next 25 to 75 years. Landowners, of course, this phase of this gas craze is, is winding down, but landowners were absolutely ecstatic as gas drilling companies would come to their door. They would knock on their door, and they would offer to purchase the gas rights that were beneath the 
their property. For example, the hunting club that's above mom and dad's, uh, the Bowling Green, they have close to about a thousand acres. And when this boom came and this craze came just several years ago, they were offered three million dollars just to sell the mineral rights that was underneath their property. My dad was a welder and uh, a pipe welder for the, the, the gas lines and he was on this site where one gentleman they literally put two wells on his property, just 40 acres of property, but they piped all the piping to these two wells. And when the one well was running or the other well was running, he would receive every month $40,000 for just one well. And so there are some that are opposing this discovery of the natural gas that's underneath the Marcellus shell. Uh, but for the most part, people are happy to simply sell the value that they will never be able to tap into and get a nice check in return. So this discovery has absolutely changed Pennsylvania. My friend and I, when I was uh, working with construction specialties, we would carpool together. I'd pick them up and we would pass by the Golden Strip on Williamsport. And so what that is, is the Golden Strip, you get off the highway and that's where like Taco Bell is, McDonald's, Red Lobster and all the, I don't know why I said Taco Bell and McDonald's first, but <laughs> Red Lobster and, and all the, the good restaurants are and they're on the Golden Strip. But highway 180 kind of bypasses and and so there's hotels and there's there's convention centers and every one of those hotels were packed uh, with white gas trucks we would have the holiday Inn express and all that literally the uh the the one hotel i can't remember the name off the top of my head literally doubled in size just to accommodate the influx of the people that were coming into the williamsport area in fact uh, when you get off the facts and exit Everybody would be able normally to just get off and go right to the Golden Strip. But now, because of the influx of people, the line is backed almost a mile all the way out to the highway, and traffic is ridiculous. Apartments have raised their rents because they know the gas companies will pay a premium dollar to uh, house the employees that are coming in. In other words, the efficiency apartments and a one bedroom is now instead of 300 and maybe 400, they're now $800 just for that. And houses with two bedrooms or three bedrooms are going anywhere from 1800 to $2,400 a month because of the influx of people and the gas companies paying such a high amount for rent. And so this discovery is and has changed many things about Pennsylvania. But for 200 plus years, there have been billions of dollars of natural gas beneath the surface of Pennsylvania. And for 200 plus years, the people of Pennsylvania have been living here, and yet we have gone without. And we have been clueless as to the value that is beneath the surface. The latest craze in Pennsylvania is what's beneath the surface. The latest craze is that people are discovering that there is so much more value to their land than what they can see with their natural eyes. People are now looking at their land and instead of looking at the surface, they're looking beyond the surface at the value. No longer are they just looking at the leaves they have to rake and the lawn they have to mow and the snow they have to shovel, but now their eyes are going beyond the surface to value that is locked up there. But this morning, the amazing thing to me is that it's been here the entire time. 
The natural gas has always been beneath us. It's been at our fingertips, and yet we didn't even know it until the last several years, uh, until someone started to drill beyond uh, the surface. Every time we walked out of our house and we went to the supermarket or to the gas station, that value was there. Every time we walked out with the children to play, there was value that was locked up beneath the surface. Uh, But it was not discovered until someone said, I've got to drill beyond the surface. Uh, The whole time it's been here, the whole time it's been available, but we went without because uh, we did not go beyond the surface. And I say that to say this this morning, I don't want to wake up one day in my walks with God and realize that he had so much more available to me. I don't want to come to grips one day and realize that God uh, had so much more value in my walk with him, uh, but I missed it because I just lived life on the surface uh, in my walk with God. But this morning, uh, as I set the tone for this message, I want to say this, uh, that I, God, if you have something for me, let me have it. Uh, if there's value, God, let me find it. Uh, if there's more for me, God, I want to experience uh, the value that you have locked beneath the surface. Amen. And so I say this, that I have found our mentalities, our way of thinking will do one of two things. It will either launch us into all that God has for us or it will hold us back from all that God has for us. The way that we think, the way that we perceive God and the way that we go about this God thing will either launch us into all that God has for us or it will hold us back from all that God has for us. And so it is. I have observed that not only in my own life, but in the lives of others, especially young students as I am involved with youth work, that there is a challenge for us, a challenge for the people of God to go beyond the surface and who we really are in the eyes of God. Amen. In our opening scriptural text we just read moments ago, the Bible said that a woman approached Jesus for help because her daughter was sickly or vexed, grievously vexed with a a devil. At first, Jesus ignored the lady, but when she plagued uh, his disciples and they came to Jesus and said, deal with her, master, for now she's crying after us. And Jesus' response to this woman was uh, one of a, a, a unique nature. But he simply said this, it's not meat to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs or cast it to the dogs and perhaps I guess if our culture was to hear that we would perhaps get offended and uh, you know just by the the differences in cultures but really Jesus wasn't being harsh to this lady or being degrading to the lady that's not the spirit he wasn't calling her a a dog or or, you know in, in that nature what Jesus was doing was using a real life Instance. He was painting a picture for this woman to understand who she was in relationship to who he was. You see, this woman wasn't a Jew. She was a Gentile. She wasn't considered a, 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 a child of God at this point in time. Uh, and, and Jesus wasn't being mean. Jesus isn't mean-spirited like that. Uh, he was simply trying to relate to this woman her position. And in doing so, he painted a picture that every mother or father would understand. 
Because there's not a father amongst us today in this place that's living in the parameters of a godly home or a, a trying to please God in, in, in a godly lifestyle. There's not one of us here that would take your children's steak and cast it to your dogs and let your children go without food. Why? Because to the father, the children are the most prized possession. Brother Aaron has a 70 to 80 pound labradoodle. Yes, he's out there in the trailer, so that little dog is not mine. And Cooper, that's his name, Cooper, he knows better than to sit in the same room that I do and beg for food. I'm not a dog hater. I, I, I wouldn't have a dog if I was, was, but... Brother Aaron cannot stand it when I'm sitting there and I cut into my, my steak or I'm, I'm getting ready to eat my hot buttery roll and all of a sudden I hear, and I look over and there's Cooper sitting right next to me and his tongue's going around the top of his snout and around the bottom of his snout and he's salivating and I'm thinking, what in the, and I look over into the kitchen and sure enough his dog dish is full with dog food and his watering bowl is full with water but yet here he sits begging for my food making me feel like a terrible provider. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My brother drove me nuts because he had a dog shadow that literally would whine if you didn't feed her. Cooper, I say, Cooper, go! And like a spoiled baby, he, he has, you know, he's a big dog. We have hardwood floors and, and he'll get up slowly. And it's not because he's old, it's because he's throwing a little pout and fit. And then he'll walk across from the dining room into the, the living room and he'll go like this and he'll drag his, his, he'll drag his, his, uh, toenails on my hardwood floor and just like, shh, shh. And he'll go into my living room and not, he won't just lay down, he throws himself down. Anybody, to lump. Do you ever go to uh, perhaps Walmart and you're sitting there and you're like, that uneasy feeling comes over you and you're like, somebody's looking at me. Somebody's staring and you're looking and nobody's there and all of a sudden, it's five aisles down the road, there it is, some person just sitting there creepy looking at you and you're <laughs> That's exactly what happens when he goes in the living room. Cooper will then just sit there and just stare at you. It's funny, when I was laid off, I don't know, three, four years ago, I got laid off, and I harvested a deer that year. And so I would just went part-time to work, and as I was looking for jobs, and the girls, I'd be like, what do you want for, for lunch? And they're like, deer steak, daddy. I'm like, yeah, come on, somebody. And... I would be making a deer steak or a deer hamburger and 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 right here is the entryway, like that door, and it's a it's a glass door, and 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 I, I could tell that Cooper was standing there and he's just looking at me. And no joke, I would be cooking my steak and I would go like this. And I'd look at Cooper, I'd make eye contact with Cooper, and he'd be like this. His head would go to the floor like a giraffe, and his shoulders would crunch up, and then all of a sudden he'd be down like this, and he'd be And he would slowly lift his eyes to see if I was still looking. And if I was still looking, he'd be like. 
It's like, it's like that child, mom, you know, come find me. And you're like, you're right here. No, come find me. They think because they broke an eye contact that they disappeared. And that's what Cooper was doing. I've watched and I have, I have, uh, set Cooper up, if you would, because we've had, uh, large portions of food disappear. And we've had the trash can emptied and the kids didn't do it. And Cooper didn't do it. So I had to find out. And so, it's like Cooper has a sixth sense. He knows when the dining room is vacated. I, I would literally, one time I, I shut the, the basement door and the trash can's right here. Mama Bear left the room. The kids are playing. And all of a sudden, he, he would be upstairs. And like a Clydesdale, he would come downstairs. He would make a left and he would run into the kitchen. And he would run by that trash can as I'm watching him be like, and if there was nothing in that trash can worthy of getting a spanking over, he would just go right through and he would make a right into the, to the dining room and then he would circle the entire table like a NASCAR racer. And, and, and if there was just a pea that was left over and he ate the pea, his mission was a success. However, if there was something of value in that trash can, he would lock up the brakes, man. He would turn around and plunge his head right into the trash can. It's funny, parents, you know what it's like to have those booster seats with the tray on them, and they're, they're padded. Sometimes it's, it's, you're in a hurry and you don't mean to, but, you know, a piece of rice could fall down in the padding, and, and you know, you're cleaning up, you go, oh, man, I'm going to clean this a little bit better next time, or a pee or something like that. And, and Cooper, he was our vacuum cleaner. He would just walk right up there and bury his head in there, and he would sniff out any remnant of food from a human that was left. One time, <laughs> well, for the sake of time, I won't go there, I guess. But if you watch Cooper, if you watch Cooper, and you have the ability to watch, he will sniff around the entire table. He will go through the trash can. He will bury his head into the booster seat, just hoping to get a crumb or a leftover from the table. It doesn't have to even be of a substantial proportion. If he inhales a crumb, man, his mission's a success. I want to tell you this morning that as a father, I have observed two different mentalities at my own dinner table. Above the table where my children eat, they eat until they're full. Above the table, without any hesitation, they will gobble down what's on their plate. And then they'll be like, Dad, can I have your hot buttery roll? I'll be like, no, get back. This is my food. Above the table, and I joke with my family and my kids. Matter of fact, I came up with this, this saying because of that. I'll be like, get your grubby raccoon paws out of here. Because above the table, the mentality is unhindered. The mentality is, is, is an open relationship. Dad, I want more steak. Please excuse my voice. I've come from the north, and man, it's nasty up there as far as uh, allergies and all that stuff, and my voice gets raspy. I do apologize. Above the table, I'll hear comments like this. Dad, can I have another one? Dad, can I have more of this? Dad, can I have your leftovers? Even though there's never leftovers on my plate. Dad, I want more. Matter of fact, Madison, no joke, Madison, when we were teaching Madison how to share, training her, because Brooklyn was coming onto the scene, she used child psychology against me. Hey, Mom, 
dad's going to share his hot buttery roll. Right, dad? No, this is my role. How many parents knows what it's like whenever you make a healthy meal, which includes broccoli? They'll eat the meat. They'll take down the potatoes. Oh, I'm so stuffed. I can't eat anymore. Come on, eat some. No, I'm stuffed. Okay, and 20 seconds later, Dad, can I have a freeze pop? Dad, can I have some ice cream? You were just stuffed a moment ago. Come on, parents, where are you at? And if you don't have children that did it, don't tell me that you didn't do that. We all know how to play the system at the table. In my house, I have observed two different dinner mentalities. And the funny thing is that these mentalities are only separated by one inch of wood. You have the mentality that is above the table, and then you have the mentality that is below the table. The mentality that is above the table comes from the mentality of my children, and the mentality that is below the table comes from the mentality of Cooper, my dog. And this morning, I want to say this, that the contrast between these two mentalities is absolutely startling this morning. The one eats without hesitation and the other one begs. The one isn't afraid to ask for more while the other one just wants a taste of the leftovers. The one without apprehension uses their position as my child to get more and the other one sneaks around and hopes to get some. The one feeds without guilt and fear and the other one hopes that he doesn't get caught. The one enjoys the relationship with the father at the dinner table while the other one avoids the relationship with the father at the dinner table the one knows that the father wants to provide for them and the other one hopes that the father will provide for them here somebody is the mentality that I am talking about this morning if we could just see ourselves the way the father sees us if we could get a clear-cut vision of how God sees us it would help us so that we don't get caught up in walking around in our walks with God like a dog barely getting by like a dog begging for crumbs but rather when we see our ourselves the way he sees us we can become children and fellowship as a child would fellowship at the dinner table and you would be surprised at how many people live beneath their privileges as a child of God because they have a thwarted view of the way that God sees them. Somebody, I don't take my children's steak and cast it to Cooper. I don't take my children's portions and give it to my dog. That's a ridiculous thought process. That's a ridiculous way of thinking. Nobody would think like that. But I say that to say this, that I don't understand why so many are content with crumbs when God has given you an entire table to feed off of. Amen. I want to preach this morning about against the crummy mentality that sets you below your rightful place at the dinner table and places you on the same playing fields as dogs uh, begging and barely getting by. Listen, we're not dogs. Uh, we're the son of God. The Bible says we're not dogs. We're the daughter or the handmaiden of God. The Bible says the God that we serve and worship this morning went to Calvary for you. He took a crown of thorns for you, a spear for you. Why? Because he desired nothing more than to have a relationship with you. That's the God we serve. Amen. You know, the Bible talks about two brothers. <coughs> The one brother, 
the younger brother has preached about it a little bit more than the elder brother. And we know the, the younger brother as the prodigal son. The prodigal son was the one that said, all right, father, I, I, I'm done here. I, my eyes are set on the, the horizons of the world. And he goes to his father and he says, uh, give me the portions that belong to me. And his father did. And so the son then takes his portions, climbs up over the fence, if you would, the, crosses the property line that separates the father's house. And he then goes to a far country, the Bible says. And there he begins to spend his inheritance with righteous living. The Bible says, and of course we know this as, as uh, uh, saints of God, that, that the pleasures of sin only last for a season and, and before it runs out. And, and the Bible says that a sore famine arose in the land. And this man that had everything now was a man that began to be in want. And the Bible says it got so bad that this younger brother uh, had to join himself to a citizen of that country and their labor just for some food. And he got so hungry that he would have, have fain fed his belly with the same uh, meal, the same food that he was feeding the pigs with. <clears throat> After a while, and it usually doesn't take too long when we're at the bottom of the rope to look up again. And to begin to realize where we are and what we have done. And the Bible says this young man uh, began to ponder that. And he said this. He said something that, that uh, brings revelation, I guess, to our eyes about the Father's house. He said, this is crazy. Are you ready? Not even the servants in my father's house go without food. And yet here I am begging for bread. I'm going to arise. I'm going to go back to the father and I'm going to say, father, I'm no longer worthy to be your, your son. Make me a hired servant. He just wanted to be fed. He knew that even in the father's house, uh, not just the children are taken care of, uh, but the entire servant staff, uh, father, make me one of your servants. And the Bible said he did. He made his long journey back. And of course the, the father saw him while he was away off and he ran and he hugged him and he kissed him and the son began to repent I'm no longer worthy to be a son I've messed up but but the father didn't hear that he began to clothe them he began to reinstate him as a son saying this is my son who was once lost but now he is found he also commissioned the servants to take the fatted calf and to kill it the party was starting the music was up the festivities were beginning because the lost son was now found but then the bible talks about the elder son the older brother who never left home, who Bible says never transgressed the commandments, not once. And he'd come in and he was still in the field serving when his younger son, younger brother came back. And, and the Bible says he, he pulled his servant aside and he said, what is going on? And he said, your younger brother has come home and your father's received him safe and sound, killed for him the fatted calf. And the Bible says this, that the elder son, the elder brother got angry and would not go in. And you know, to be honest, at face value, at surface value, I could understand. It seems like the father is now rewarding the behavior of the son. And at face value, at surface value, I understand then where this elder brother was coming from. The father, however, then went out and entreated this elder son of his. And it was kind of the question that he was waiting for. He was stewing, perhaps. And the father goes out, and why aren't you coming in? And that was the only question he needed to ask to just unload on the father his resume of why he felt justified and validated for staying away from the festivities and bringing his son, younger brother back in. And so the Bible says that the elder brother said, look, 
all of these years I have been serving you. I have been here in the Father's house, and I have never went against your commandments, not one time. And and matter of fact, uh, when the younger brother came home, he was still serving. And the elder brother says this, uh, not even one time in all of my years, and not even one time in all of my service, uh, have you even given me a baby goat uh, or a kid that I could make merry with my friends. And so now we see the motives of the, the elder brother that he felt like the father was slanting against him and playing favorites because he killed the fatted calf, but he never received not even a baby goat to to make merry with his friends. And can you see the the elder brother unload, if you would? You can kind of see him uh, feeling validated and justified of why he is saying what he's saying. Until, until when the smoke all cleared and the elder brother got done pouring himself out to the father. The father said something that I believe rocked uh, this elder brother to the core. When the smoke cleared and the father waited for him to get done, the father simply said this, Look, son, you said it yourself. You have been with me all of these years. And the father makes this profound statement. All that I have was already yours. It was already available to you. Wow, what an earth-shaking, eye-opening wake-up call for that elder brother to know that I have been living in my father's house this entire time. But I went without because I didn't understand the relationship with the father. Hey, if you wanted a baby goat to go make merry with your friends, you should went to the barn and got that goat and did it. All that I have was already yours. Come on, somebody, could you see that punch in the mouth as it were from the father to that son? You've been here this entire time. You've served me all these years, and you still don't know that everything I have is already yours. Somebody, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace uh, and not of evil to give to you an expected end. Uh, I wish that I and even all of us could just tap in uh, one more time anew and afresh uh, to this revelation of who we are in God's eyes. Jesus was talking in the book of Luke, and he said, For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And then Jesus says this, if ye then, being evil, know how to get, give good gifts unto your children, how much more should your heavenly Father give to the Holy Spirit to them that ask him and that's what I've come to preach this morning is how much more if one crumb would deliver that lady of that daughter that was grievously vexed with the devil how much more today would God want to minister to you and to walk with you and to bless you and to strengthen you how much more somebody musicians please join me probably three years ago now that I had been invited to preach in Connecticut 
at a church and they were having revival services and we got there and and the hearts are right and people had been praying and fasting and God was doing some incredible things in the morning service just the altars filled up and he had backsliders were, were praying and people were receiving from the Lord and we felt blessed that we could interact with the Spirit of God like we did on that Sunday and the Sunday night service came and as it came I just got the preaching kind of pushed everything off aside and I began to preach and there was a special touch of the Lord that was in that place and halfway through the altar call we had people up at the altar call responding just wanting to be right with God just wanting to just commune with God we had some people were laying out and some people were knelt down some were tears were flowing down their face and and it was just a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord and I was pacing back and forth trying to feel after the the uh moving of what God wanted to do and about halfway through this altar call I felt God told me he said we need to have you need to have an old-fashioned prayer line does anybody know what I'm talking about when I say that okay a prayer line where the elders face each other and and the church will make a line or whoever needs prayer and blessed and touched and they will come down and the elders will anoint them or pray with them or however the custom is at that local assembly and I felt that, and so I, I called, I called for it. I said, I need the elders to come forth. Uh, we need to go into this season of the altar where we have a prayer line. And, and the elders came up. I said, if anybody out there, if you have a need or you need God to just touch you and bless you, we're not limiting God. We're not limiting it to anything. If you need God to do something in your life, I want you to stand. The entire church stands up and goes to the right. I'm thinking, wow, this is going to take a while. <clears throat> and... Here we go. They begin to come through this line, and I was just catching them out of the back. I was, you know, speaking encouraging words and just trying to pray and build faith and to strengthen. And and they were coming through, and and it, it it was flowing, and you could feel the flow of it. And as they were coming through, about three quarters of the way through the line, I noticed coming through. Now the line of elders uh, was a Spanish uh, gentleman, and I didn't even know he was in the service. I somehow I I preached the entire message. 50 minutes probably, and I didn't even know that he was there. And he sat right up here in the front. I, 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 but when he came to the altar, I, I recognized him. I knew that he was there there then. And uh, I was trying to put two and two together, figuring out what was going on, where he came from. And, and I watched as this man would come through the line, and I could perceive that he, he, this was out of his element. He wasn't, he wasn't accustomed to this, and, and I could perceive God was working on his heart. And he had his hands up, and he's crying out to God just in a, a rare uh, baby fashion, if you would, if you understand what I'm saying, just in a, a, a rare fashion, and just crying out to God. And the only way that he knew how to cry out to God, and as he came through the line, we were praying, and the power of God was intensifying. And he got to the end, and just the elders and myself, we were just praying. All of a sudden, he goes, oh, and threw his hands down and began to rub his arms. It scared me. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know if a devil was coming out. I didn't know what was going on. It was the first time I've ever seen that. And he's like, oh, and he says, I feel something. I feel something. And he puts his hands back again and begins to pray and begins to just yield himself to the moving of God's spirit. And all of a sudden he goes, oh, I feel something. And he's rubbing his arms and he had a t-shirt on and he's dark complexed. And I look down and, and there's goosebumps upon goosebumps upon goosebumps upon his arm. And he just says, I feel something. I said, I know what you're feeling. 
That's what I was thinking. I leaned over to one of the elders and just asked, does this man have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And I said, no, he doesn't. I'm like, okay. And so I stopped this gentleman. I said, sir, what, what is it that you feel? He says, I don't know. I feel something. And he's shooken up. And uh, I said, well, do you want God to, I, said, I told him, I said, you feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you want God to put his spirit in you and fill you with the Holy Ghost? And I don't even know if he knew what that meant. But he said, yes. I said, well, get ready because what you feel on the outside, you're about ready to feel on the inside. I, I, I led him through repentance. Uh, I, I talked to him a little bit about the Holy Ghost. And I said, all right, uh, we're going to pray that God fills you with the Holy Ghost. Are you ready to lift your hands and worship? And he said, yeah. He throws his hands up in the air and he begins to worship. And I told him when the time's right, I'm going to lay my hands on your head. And God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I said, go ahead and worship. And you could feel the power of God just drawing close. Uh, the elders could feel it. We all began to respond in unity. And I, I just felt it. I said, all right, are you ready? And he shook his head. I said, get ready. Here it comes in the name of Jesus. And he goes, oh, I feel something. I'm like, well, that didn't work like I thought it was going to work. I had no idea what to do at that point besides start back over. I said, man. I said, all right. Hey, let's just repent one more time. I had no idea. I wish I did. I, I, I watched a video a long time ago of Billy Cole saying this, you know, repent, and how he prayed people through. So I tried to recall as much as I could. Like, well, here we go. Let's repent. And you could tell there's just a genuine move. We can all stand here tonight. There was a genuine move. And this man lifts his hands again and begins to cry out to God, tears rolling down his face. All of a sudden, I look beyond this man to his fiance that was directly behind him, tears pouring out of her face. And I remember that dear sis being right up here in the Sunday morning service, praying and seeking God and pouring herself out. And I prayed with her, and I had no connection. You know how it is, Pastor. You pray with somebody, and, and it just you, you can't you don't you can't put your finger on it. What's going on? And so you just pray blessing and you move on. Try to build faith. And now here she is standing behind this man, and I begin to try to put the picture together that they were in relationship together. He throws his hands up in the air, and I said, on the count of three, the elders are going to pray with you. And I told the elders, I said, one, two, three. And each one of us laid our hands on this man and began to pray that God would fill him with the Holy Ghost. And within just a couple seconds, instead of him bringing his arms down, saying, I feel something, he threw his hands back, and God, the power of God hit this man. He began to tremble and shake under the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. And being bilingual, I didn't know what it is, and I don't like to just try to push somebody into speaking in tongues or receiving the Holy Ghost, because that's an intimate, personal experience that you don't need somebody to tell you if you got it, as, as my, my feeling. When you get it, you get it. And I wanted that to be that man's thing. And so I just leaned over to one of the other Spanish brothers. And I said, is he speaking in English or Spanish? He puts his ears up there. And after just a little bit, he comes back and says, no, sir, that's not Spanish. And I understood then that he was speaking in a heavenly language as the power of God baptized him anew and afresh for the very first time with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I just simply said, this man just received the, the Holy Ghost, not knowing the story, not knowing the background and all of a sudden the church man people are dancing and worshiping and shouting and crying out to God and and I'm blind just coming in and not knowing the situation until about 20 minutes later I felt the power or God speak to me and say let this man testify and I generally don't do that actually I never did that except that day 
I just felt it so strong, and I said, I want this man just to tell a little bit about his testimony or what he feels or what God did for him tonight. And no joke, God is my witness. And I got PMs and text messages saved from the ministry of that, that, that church. Uh, the first thing out of his mouth was this. Uh, since before the age of 13, I have been a self-professing atheist. Uh, I didn't even believe there was a God. I didn't even know. Or de- I cursed God. I denied God. I was against God. Uh, in fact, the only reason that man came that night was because his fiance was putting the pressure on him. There was division in the home, division in the relationship uh, as he would mock God and he would belittle her relationship with God, but he told me this. He gives that testimony. He said this. I was an atheist, but God spoke to me, and now I spoke in tongues, and I want to get baptized, and just so green and so real, begins to declare his conversion, and when he was done, he spoke to me and said this. He said, Aaron, when you gave that altar prayer line, he said this, God spoke to me and said, if you don't go through that line, you will be lost, and so here an atheist stands up in a church service, makes his way to a line, uh, walks through, and God fills him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and I say this to say that, uh, if God, if God would do that for an atheist, uh, somebody that mocked him, somebody that cursed him, somebody that denied him, uh, if God would do that for him, uh, how much more does God want to bless you? Uh, how much more does God want to move in this service? Uh, how much more does God want to bless his children that are here today? Come on, I see tears and eyes. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. I'm trying to preach to somebody how much more. Three months went by and my phone begins to blow up on text messages. Uh, this atheist or this ex-atheist has now become a soul winning machine. Uh, he's talking about God on his work. Uh, he's brought his family to church. Uh, he's witnessing. He's reading his Bible. He PM'd me later, not too many months after and said, Aaron, I thank you. And I know what he was saying. Uh, he said, I used to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. I used to have addictions in my life, but now I speak in tongues. Every time I go to the house of God, how much more, somebody, how much more does God want to bless you, his child? altar call had come and the altar call had gone and 20 minutes later as he's walking out the back uh, he still has goosebumps on his arms uh, he's rubbing his arms but instead of saying I feel something uh, he's saying I feel Jesus uh, I feel Jesus a year down the road almost a year later that same pastor invited me to come back uh, and I preached that morning on the, uh, on the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and I'll never forget it when I walked up to the platform and I turned around and I looked. Uh, and there was the ex-atheist. Uh, there was now his wife. Uh, not only him and his wife, but it was his older son, his older daughter, his younger daughter, his niece, uh, and his brother. All needing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'll never forget it that morning uh, when that ex-atheist laid his hands on his brother. And the power of God hit his brother. And he fell to his knees speaking in tongues uh, as God filled his brother. Five minutes later, he's literally dancing uh, around his daughter speaking in tongues uh, and God baptized his daughter with the Holy Ghost that day. How much more, somebody, if you could only see the way God sees you right now.
Come on, somebody, you need to let your faith go right now. You need to stop holding back the tears. You need to stop worrying about what the cry sounds like. You're in the presence of your father. And like a child, I'm inviting people to respond to the moving of the Holy Ghost right now. Let me say this, and we're going to let it go. If you could see into the spirit right now, if God would pull back the veil and you could see from the natural to the supernatural. This morning, you would see right here, from where my brother in the white is, uh, all the way over to the other door, there is a table that is spread right here. And on top of that table is miracles, signs, wonders. Uh, there's a fresh touch of mind. There's deliverance from anxieties, deliverances from stress. Uh, there's, I'm not going to limit God. Uh, God can do anything. God can do all things as your pastor declared today. Uh, don't limit God. And today I'm asking you, uh, would you step to the table? Not as a dog but as a child and say God I want a fresh touch give me a hot buttery roll if you would let me have the steak if you would unhindered and unashamed come on why don't you go ahead and lift your voice right now Lord you see her faith elevated Lord the spirit is speaking I pray right now God that you would baptize her anew and afresh let it flow God from the top of her head to the soles of her feet oh God whatever the cry is right now I bind my faith with that cry This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.